This is Grow With The Bros, hosted by Ryan and Ken Parsons, founders of the Brothers That Just Do Gutters. Welcome to another episode of The Books That Built Us. We've made every mistake in the book, so you don't have to. Our time to evolve as business owners is now. Let's grow together. All right, so we really want to talk about why scaling your business is your best move. When I think scale, I do think numbers. I think like, you know, multi-million dollar, million dollar. Um, Like if somebody was to say, I'm going to scale my computer business, whether it's, you know, I know we're talking about gutters and and, and trades-based business. I'm thinking lots of money, um, lots of people, and me not necessarily doing the work. I think when it comes down to scaling, that's what we're talking about. Um, And there was a book, uh, Ken, you read it first, and you introduced me into uh, Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow Quadrant. What do you got, the nice autographed one? That's messed up. There he is. like the old one. So it's the same guy that wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, This was giant for our organization. And whether you read the whole book or not, uh, what we're going to show you today um, about the cash flow quadrant really opened our eyes to what we were trying to do. We were trying to grow the business and we had our reasons. And then when we saw um, these quadrants that Robert Kiyosaki talked about, it really made it clear what quadrant we were trying to be in and um, what quadrant we're going to talk to you about that we think it's worth getting your business too. So Ken, um, why don't you take us through the, uh, the four quadrants? So it's pretty simple. Uh, it's the ESBI and there's a left side of the quadrant and there's a right side of the quadrant. On the left side, you have employee and self-employed. On the right side, you have business owner and investor. Um, and, and what the difference is, I guess, from employee to self-employed, that employees have a boss where self-employed, all their customers are now their bosses. So they have more bosses. Everyone goes into business on their own because they don't want a boss, but you're saying that they actually end up with more bosses. Yeah, I mean, technically, when you look at it that way, in our business, technically all of our clients, when you're running your own truck, uh, they become your boss. Now, business owners... uh, uh, a little bit different. A business owner is somebody that may, may start out as um, in, in, in a startup mode. And what they're doing is they're taking money and uh, the work that they're putting into it to uh, leverage it and create a team that could eventually run those systems for them. Um, the way you know your business owner is if you could step out of the business for three to six months and it runs without you, your business owner. I mean, that's been our gauge for a long time that, um, you know, the difference between self-employed, a self-employed person, you know, if you go away for a week, you either have to shut down or your phone blows up the whole time. So then you got the business owner quadrant, self-employed employee. Now talk real quick about the investor. And then I know we're going to spend a lot of time talking about how to get from self-employed to business owner. And that's the scale. Anybody can be an investor, whether you're an employee, whether you're self-employed or a business owner. Those are people that buy businesses and they don't go work in them. They, they invest. Right, like, kind of like the guys on Shark Tank. That's yep. what a true investor does. So the Shark Tank guys aren't uh, buying, like saying, all right, we're going to give you guys uh, half a million dollars. And they don't go and show up on Monday 
and work in that business. They basically give them the money. They might point some of their resources or people to help them keep an eye on it. But at the end of the day, an investor is not going to go and be boots on the ground. So let's dig in. Let's dig into the, the, um, the, the switch that happened. You know, you were a teacher and we're not going to do our story or anything like that now, but you were a teacher. You saw the opportunity to, to become a, a business owner uh, is what you thought you were going to become, but you basically went into the self-employed quadrant and you started uh, installing gutter, selling gutter. You were the marketing, you were everything. You were the system, you know, and you're doing everything. You recruited me while you were in there. Um, and I remember very specifically uh, early on, I remember that um, we got a call from a local gutter guy. He was ready to get out of the business. He lived a good life um, while he was doing the business. But then when it came time for him to want to move on, his business wasn't worth uh, anything um, other than the, the materials and the equipment. Um, so that's why we think it's really important to scale because there becomes a point. So you got, you've got two different things here. I got a buddy, uh, Russ, who's an excavator, and um, he's done great. The guy's he knows how to make money. He's flipped houses. He just built himself a beautiful home. And he's kind of really always liked to keep it small and control everything. And, um, and he's done very well there. And I remember him calling me. We, we talked for years. And back in the day, he, you know, I told him what we're doing. And, and he's like, nope, that's not for me. And then I remember he called me up. Um, and he said, Ryan, convince me why I should scale. And I said, I, I can't convince you. I can't say that what you're doing is the wrong thing. You have the opportunity. He's young. He has the opportunity to make a lot of money in this window. And that in the self-employed quadrant got him investor type money where he could then flip houses and invest in things. So scaling is not always for everybody. Um, you know, but what happens is I think he got to the point where it's like, all right, how cool would it be if people were doing the excavation for me and I could kind of go flip some houses or whatever else he was interested in. I think he was starting to see that it's, he has to either not do that excavation business, which he built up for years and then kind of do something else. And I think where we start thinking is like, all right, well, if I could get the gutter business or my excavation business to the point that it could run without me, then I could maybe start concentrating on some other things and not lose all that hard work that we do in our youth. Like, you know, when you started your business, how old were you? I was 24 when I started. Um, yeah. You know, and, and what you're saying too happened to our, our father. Our, our, our dad was, you know, he was a general contractor uh, from like the late 1970s all the way up until the probably 1989 90 um and he he took a bad fall he broke his back he was out of work for probably a year and a half or so and you know they were just scrimping by and having a hard time paying the bills and i remember that because i was a little kid mm -hmm. um you know so when you're, when you are the system, there's a lot more risk. So let's talk about a little bit like, you know, um, we have a diagram and I, I, I'm, I'm sure it'll be on the screen while, while we're doing this, but basically you've got the employee quadrant and going to self-employed is, is pretty easy. You know, um, you know, whether you 
you might even have like a skill in photography. And if you just said, you know, I don't want to work for anyone. I want to just go take photos. Anybody can quit their job and start doing that and get into that quadrant. And then you can be successful in that quadrant. But what we have found is going from the self-employed all the way to the um, business owner. It's not a quick, easy move. It is a drastic, ridiculously hard move to go from there to there. And I remember for us, we were seeing our, our parents' friends age out of their businesses, their self-employed businesses, and nobody was selling their businesses and getting money. They were all getting jobs. Um, at the end of a, a successful self-employed career, we found that they were getting jobs. And I know you and I said, we want to do something different. We want to have a business that can run without us. And the cash flow quadrant helped us. So when I, I know the biggest thing people say is you got to work on your business, not in your business. How did we work on our business to get to the business owner quadrant? Do you remember what we started on first? Uh, yeah, it started with uh, creating opportunity. Uh, and that's what you're doing when you're scaling a business. You're creating opportunity, not just for yourself, but for others. And that's true capitalism at work, because when you do that, it's not just about me anymore. It's about impacting other people's lives and making a difference for them because you're creating job descriptions, you're creating systems so that other people can run those things. And you are making, you're making jobs. You're making jobs and you're hiring talent to come in there and help uh, run a more efficient, proficient uh, machine that can bring the products and services to a higher level of professionalism than I can doing it by myself. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's it. Cause there's, so you're saying that you got, you started building a team. That's what you're saying. The first thing that you did to scale was you started to build a team that was bigger than you and basically any helper you could find to help you hang a gutter. Right. Yeah. And I did that for years. And you know, it, the problem with that is it leads to burnout because what happens is there's, you always get a good guy, but then that good guy, because he hits a ceiling because you only can pay and you only can, if you're not, if you're not growing, you're creating a ceiling for the people that you have on your team. And that's what happens to people in, in self-employed quadrant is that they try to scale a business and they say, well, I tried to do that and I had a good guy, but then he left and he started his own thing. And the reason why that people do that is because our vision isn't big enough to hold them, uh, to, to, to keep them there. Uh, and it's very easy. Like you said earlier, somebody can, has a camera, can start a photography, photography business very easily. Just like our business, somebody can uh, buy a gutter machine used and put it on a trailer. And yeah, they can start doing gutters and they start with their friends and family. And then eventually word of mouth starts to pick up and now you have another person that's a competitor against you. Uh, and that's what happens. That's the problem with staying in that quadrant is that you're creating competition uh, for you because you're not creating opportunity for them. So you started investing in people. I came on board and I, and I know we started to grow this thing, but uh, the quote in Robert Kiyosaki's book, it says, Always remember that B quadrant businesses get more money from investors because investors invest in good systems and the people who can build those systems. And then this is the big one. 
to underline or write down. Investors do not like to invest in businesses where the system goes home at night. And that's where we were for a long time. You know, if anything happened to me or Ken or Ken in the beginning and then eventually me and Ken, um, the, the business was worth nothing because we had everything in our heads or we were actually doing the work or the sales. So the, the whole getting to be a business owner, um, what you have to do is you have to create enough depth between you and the last position you were in. So when you're an owner operator and you've got one guy in you, you know, that's great. And sometimes we're able to get to like another crew. But what happens is if one of those guys leaves, the owner is right back running that second truck. So you have to create a little bit more depth, right? So, okay, man, I'm one person quitting away from having to install gutter again. So then you have to build a little bit bigger. Then you're thinking, all right, now I've got those crews and I'm only selling. I need a salesperson. So then you get the one salesperson, you think you've made it. And I, I remember not, I, I didn't, this didn't actually occur to me till in the last year that one of the biggest reasons to grow is for this. Cause now you got that salesperson and if they're not good or they quit or move on, now you're back into that role. So you're like, oh my gosh, I need two salespeople. I need three crews or four crews. And before you know it, you've got your back office admin. You've got maybe two admin at some point. You've got a bunch of installers. You've got a sales team. And there becomes a point where you finally are insulated enough and you've built enough depth in your team that you can have a salesperson you know, move on or quit and you can, you don't have to go back into that role. You have installers at same scenario. And then that's where I believe you get into that quadrant. The, the true business owner quadrant is when you can step out of the business for three to six months and it runs without you. And, and Ken, you experienced it firsthand. You want to talk about that? How you had to step out? There was a couple times I had to step away from the business. Uh, one of the first times that I had to step away was when my wife and my kids got in a really serious car accident oh, and yeah. I had to be, I was out of work for seven weeks. Uh, my wife was in bad shape, um, bad shape. And I had to take care of four kids and also go to the hospital and see her and, and juggle all of that. Um, if I was still in the same position that I was when I started the business, I would have been in big trouble. Um, I, I wouldn't be able to be there for my family. Um, I would have had to go out there and, and I would have had to maybe, uh, and I probably would have had help because I know, you know, family members and, and, and friends would probably would have been able to help me to a certain extent, but it would have been a very, even more, uh, stressful if I hadn't have scaled my business. Um, but the second time that it happened to me and life happens to all of us, right? Yeah, sure does. And you can never prepare for the worst because it all happens at, you know, the craziest times. It's unforeseen. Um, but when you scale a business, and, and, and this is one of the reasons why I'm so glad that I did. Um, my son got sick uh, with uh, Powassan virus in 2017, and he was just turned seven at, at that point. Um, and uh, he had encephalitis of the brain as a result of that. And, you know, he almost died. 
uh, he, he made, he made his way through that, but I literally was living at the hospital for two months. Yep. Then, then there was rehab after that. So I was not even coherent about business or anything. Uh, and the only reason why I was able to be there for my family, for my son and for the rest of my children, um, was because I had scaled my business and we put systems together and we worked uh, tirelessly to do that in prior years. And I was able to step back and rely on that team to still be profitable and do what, do what their, you know, roles and their job descriptions and do the things that they needed to do uh, to make the business still be successful and still have money and a paycheck coming in for me, even though I was just not emotionally or physically able to be there. And I was out of that business for like at least four or five months. I, I, I believe it happened on September 18th is when he got sick and I didn't come back into the business uh, till probably January of the following year. Wow. Yeah. And I, I remember it. I mean, I'm his brother, so it, it, it was a big effect on the entire family and the, the meal trains and everything that was going out to you guys. And, you know, and yeah, and we had good people here. It wasn't a burden. It wasn't like, you know, Ken needs to get back right away. Things are falling apart. It was definitely, you know, Ken was missed and, you know, it would be nice to have him around, but the business went on. I, I, would, I would love to go back and look at the books and see if like there was anything noticeable. I don't really think there was, but it's really cool. And I think that's why we're sitting here saying, you know what, I really do think you should scale your business. And, and most people can, and in, in a few scenarios, I don't think you should scale your business. If you're not good with people and good with customers and, and you're not trying to develop yourself as a leader to get better, then you probably should just make as much as you can um, in, a, in the short period of time while you can still do what you're doing so that you can play in the investor quadrant. I, you know, I don't think scaling is for everybody. Not everybody can do it um, because it takes a, a ton of work. And I think too many people don't realize the work it takes they want, oh man, I want what you and, you know, one of the things I hate that gets said to me often, you know, we might go like um, see a movie or go skiing during the week and you have someone go, oh, must be nice. And you know what? It is nice. And we worked our tail off so that we could go away for a week or two and not have our phone ring. So it is nice. But a lot of people want to skip from where they're at, you know, wearing all the hats to the must be nice thing. And there's so much work, um, not only with your hands and your time, but you've got to, I mean, these books as much as like they kind of, you know, we put them back there. So we look smart. No, I'm just kidding. We've read them. We've read most of these books and, and the, and besides reading them, we've implemented it. So over years and years of implementing and trying and doing, you get to the business owner quadrant. Um, so anything to add there? Uh, I hear you saying too, really is that it's a mindset and you have to be willing to change and adapt your thinking really is, is what it is. And that's really what I think the book does did for me is it really helped me to define what it is that I was thinking about and really clarifying it. You know, I, what I was thinking about was I, I, I didn't, I really in my heart didn't want to be employed. Not that there's anything wrong with being employed. Uh, 
in my heart, I really didn't see myself being self-employed, but I really saw myself being that uh, the business owner that Robert Kiyosaki was defining for me. And that was my place of that's exactly what's going to make me happy. That's what I envisioned that he was able to clarify that for, for me. Um, and, and that's it. I really think it's about clarifying and, and coming to the point of in your thoughts of what makes you happy and what do you see yourself? What does happy look like? Not just right now for you because self-employed or being employed right now might be happy, but we have a lot of people that are going through careers as employees. And then when they get to the end of that career and they're 40 something years old because they work for, you know, as a police officer or they were in the military or they had a, a career that spanned as a teacher for 20, 25 years. And they're like, what's next? So we have a lot of people that are in that uh, quadrant that are saying, hey, I, I always thought about business, you know, and they call them career and transition. Yeah. All those people. Um, so they've, they've had you know, and we're good stewards with what they did in that quadrant and put money aside and have a retirement plan, maybe even have a pension plan where they can leverage it and buy a business. Uh, and that's, that's important. When you're looking at a business, there's so much information out there of, you know, what, what would be a good invest, investment for me. And there's all kinds of research and things that you can do to get into the right uh, business or, or that would fit you. Um, same, same with, uh, people who are self-employed, like Ryan said, if you're not being a good steward of your finances while you're young and you're able to really work your tail off and do that and put aside that nest egg, uh, I see most of those people retreating back when they age out or whenever they get burnt out back into a job. Um, I saw our, we saw our father do it. He went to become, uh, he got a civil, civil service uh, uh, certif certification and went to be a facilities uh, maintenance manager of school systems. Yeah. And he got a pension from that eventually. Uh, so we see a lot of people doing that. Um, but the bottom line is, is if you're in a place where, man, I'd really like to accomplish and do that, there are people out there that can help you along the way. And that's the part that is important is that you got to find out and define what makes you happy and what what you think uh, in the future is going to also continue that happiness, uh, whether it's being in the in a, in a business or or not. Um, but it really takes changing your thinking and looking down the road long term. And I just feel that in our country, a lot of people just live in the here and the now and instant gratification. Yeah. And we really can't because we're really doing ourselves a disservice and really can put ourselves in a position in the future where we're not, might not be as happy as we are now. Ah, well said. So I think basically what everyone's trying to do, no matter what quadrant you're in, you're, you're, you're trying to take care of your retirement. You're thinking about the future. So when you're thinking about getting a good job, you're thinking about 401ks, you're thinking about, am I going to be okay later when you're self-employed, this is your retirement plan is scaling your business because what's so cool about a business, most of us are trying to like, after all expenses are paid, you know, I don't care if you do $200,000 a year, $10 million a year, after all expenses, salaries and everything are paid, we're hoping to have at least 10% left over. And if you can do that in your business and you're not there, that's probably one of the best investments that you can do. 
And then you can only continue to do that. So we really love the idea of scaling and for a couple more reasons and then we're gonna end. Um, you can actually sell it. When you're not, there's a great book out there called Built to Sell. And it basically gives you a bullet point checklist of all the items that need to be in place in your business to sell it for the most money. And I think one of them is, um, if you're the owner, you shouldn't be selling more than 25% of the total revenue for the company. So if you're going to go sell your business, you, you, they want to see that you're, the sales are not dependent on you and down the line. So the more your business works without you, and that's where you create all these systems. I'll recommend the E-Myth right now. You want to grow your business, you have to systematize everything. And then you're able to continue to step back and back and back. And then you're able to step away from your business. So you can get a really good price for it um, in, that, uh, in that scenario. Some people don't want to sell. Some people want to like give it to their kids. I think a lot of people, though, are intimidated by scaling because of the time frame and the money that's involved in getting to it. Uh, I think if you, if money's not an issue, uh, time frame is, that all can be sh cut short too. You know, scaling up doesn't have to take, you know, a decade like it took me. <laughs> I had a lot of changing that I needed to do. I sucked at sales, I sucked at business, I just knew how to work hard. Uh, that was the best quality I had going into this, uh, working for me. But I also knew that I needed to learn and change my thinking, and I did that along the way. It took a little while, but it doesn't have to take people that long. Um, banks are very willing to work with you, uh, especially right now with interest rates being low. And, you know, invest in getting a capital infusion into your business, that's what investors are doing. That's what they're doing on Shark Tank is they're helping these people to do that. So there are people that are out there that are like that, that are helping people to shortcut it, that are being able to show you the way of how, if that's what you desire is to have a business that can eventually work for you and you not have to work for it. And that's what you want. Yeah. People out there that have already figured out how to create those shortcuts so that you don't keep on having these horrible things. There's a guy online that broke his ankle in our industry. And uh, I think Ryan, you were telling me this story. Um, you know, he, he broke his ankle and he's every, why don't you tell that, tell, tell that story? Yeah, no, just a, you know, owner operator in the gutter business broke his ankle and he's kind of reaching out for help. Like, you know, what do I do? I don't want to, um, you know, muddy my name. I guess his guys, you know, they're not quite where they need to be to go out without them. And he's like kind of tempted to pause his business until he's better. So he's kind of in a really rough spot. And I felt, I mean, I felt so bad for him because that's exactly, you know, why we believe you should scale. And you know, what? I'm going to talk to him and we're going to help him out and, and see what we can do there. And, and hopefully he can get through that. Um, but back to the scaling thing, like I think most people, it's a misconception. I remember talking to, um, you know, one of our, they're a competitor, but a peer and we're, 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 we're friends. Um, and I remember him saying to me, he's like, you know, Ryan, I don't want to, you know, I could grow my business and I, but I don't want to be as big as you because I want to be able to concentrate on things outside work. And I'm like, really? I was like, so what do you think it is that my life is like? And it was so funny for him. He just thought, cause we've got a fleet of trucks and we franchised our business that I have no time. And as we kind of pulled back the onion a bit, I got way more time than him. 
you know, and he's thinking that if he's going to scale, then he won't have time to do the things that he likes. Uh, I remember one time, you know, uh, we're talking about like payroll or something. I'm like, yeah, I think payroll's like 30 grand a week or something like that. And the guy's like, oh my gosh, I never want to be that big. Meanwhile, it's the same exact thing. You know, whether you're trying to make a $3,000 a week payroll or $30,000 a week, we had a harder time trying to make the $3,000 a week payroll. So as we scaled, you know, everything got easier. It's, it's crazy and it's not without its headaches, but it's amazing how much your life improves, your business improves, the environment for your employees improve, everything improves with scale. Um, and I guess if we could kind of summarize, if you're in a trades business or even, even I had a buddy, he was a um, physical therapist, you basically have to take off your tool belt to grow your business. And he had to stop physically working on his clients in order to grow his physical therapy um, uh, practice and now has multiple locations. So it's the same, I think, in most businesses. As much as we love what we do and we get into it because we love gutters or we love photography or physical therapy, um, there becomes a point where we have to, if we were going to scale, we have to take that off for a time or like Ken said earlier, or we have to have the money to hire a general manager to grow it. If we love doing it, I have a buddy who loves to run the crane, you know, for his tree company, nothing would make him happier probably than to just run the crane. But I think in that scenario, we still think you should scale, but you're probably hiring different people, right? Ken, you have to hire the general manager or the CFO or all that stuff. All these positions are, are hireable, all of them. And the bottom line is, is that when you start scaling a business, Nobody's going a, a, a person who's chosen and is happy and is a passionate professional, let's say for sales. I am never, just because I have more knowledge than him in the, of the gutter industry, which I probably do. And I do have knowledge of sales because I've gained it over the last 20 years of selling this stuff. Uh, but I, as the owner, am being pulled in different directions. And my role is not to be the sales guy if I'm scaling my business because a sales guy is always going to have, you know, I like to look at things like with an analogy of a laser beam, right? If I'm a laser beam and I'm the, I'm, I'm the, I'm the, the laser beam and I have all these different distractions where I have to put my laser over into marketing, into back office admin, into uh, installations, into sales. Uh, it's watered down. And who suffers from that? I suffer from it because it's very stressful and my time is not my own because I'm working my tail off just to keep up to make ends meet. Uh, I, I, I can't enjoy time with the family. The wife is always asking me, where the heck, when are you going to be home? You know, you're missing <laughs> stuff, whatever. Um, you know, you're not sharing the insomnia, they say, uh, with, with people. And that's what, that's the mindset that we have to break out of. We have to break out of the mindset that there's nobody that is good as me at all these different things when there is, you know, I've, I've lived it. I know it. I know what it's like to be in the self-employed and I know what it's like to be on the other side and have the freedom and the time that I have now. And it's really about how you go about business. There's a thing that we call being replaceable to be promotable. Uh, you, you got to do that. And, and I think that's always been a mindset of mine, when it comes to growth is that I never really loved any of the positions that I was ever in, in the business, except for the position that I'm in now. Uh, 
I don't know, Ken. I think I think you loved it, and then you get bored, and then when you move on, you love it, and then get bored. True. Um, not bored, yeah. but you're yeah. like, all right, I conquered that. Yeah, if you have a conquer mentality, yeah, like, you like to conquer it and then uh, move on. Then, then being scaling up is for you, for sure. <laughs> uh, because there's always more to scale up to too. Because when you look at it as creating opportunities for people and you hire the talent that's passionate about the specific thing you're hiring for, uh, you're going to have great results. It's always going to pay you back in, in dividends, and it's truly a win-win because I'm able to pay that person that's passionate about it uh, a fair living wage that they're happy with to attain their personal goals in their life. I'm stimulating the economy. I'm also reaping benefits from that as well. But, you know, I don't have anybody pointing at me saying, oh, that guy's bringing home wheelbarrow loads of money because they're happy too. And I'm, I'm, I've created a system, I've created a business that is uh, bringing products and services out to the community uh, by people who are passionate about what they do. I'm not passionate about making spreadsheets and filling out QuickBooks reports and doing that stuff. You know, I am not good at that at all. That's not my wheelhouse, but I can hire that done because there's people out there that that lights them up at the end of the day. They love it. They live for it. There's people who live for customer service and picking up phones and scheduling and, 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 and talking to people and diffusing situations. And there's people that, you know, are good at organizational skills and good at organizing trucks and warehouse and ordering material and they just love it. They get in there and they weld stuff and make stuff and make it more efficient and better. And yeah. It's, that's what's enjoyable about scaling a business is by watching these people that have all these different talents, bringing them together and creating this team and machine that operate your system that you've put together. And, and that's the thing. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. It could be very enjoyable. Uh, but partnering up with somebody who already has gone the way that can show you the way is, is super important. So, you know, having somebody that already has the mentality that you dream of having, like, you know, Robert Kiyosaki, a guy's worth millions and millions of dollars. You know, I can read this book in a, in a very short amount of time. And the more things that I can implement from a guy like that, or from many other authors, like the one that you have in your screen back there, Scaling Up uh, by Vern Tarnish, you know, that's an awesome book where I can take those principles and learn them and implement them into my business, watching podcasts and, you know, all these things that we have at our fingertips. We don't have to try and reinvent the wheel it's already been done people have done it over and over again since the beginning of time that have businesses that run and multiple businesses uh at a time and yep. they have a great lifestyle you don't have to have you don't have to be enslaved to it that's great all right so as you can see there's many ways to uh scale your business there's a, a lot that goes into it um, but you got to have the hunger. It, it's, it's not easy, but like we said, the resources are there. You know, we got books, you've got coaches, you've got um, other ways to, to buy businesses that are pre-existing or franchises. There's so many ways that you can accomplish your dreams. It's just a matter of, are you willing to get out of that comfort zone? Are you willing to do what it takes to get to the other side? Thanks for joining us and we hope you implement at least one or two nuggets from this episode that will give you the confidence to grow. Subscribe to our podcast to stay updated and grow with the bros.